Abby. And I'm Allie. And it's About About Time for True Crime. Hey. Hey. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you feeling? I'm feeling a little bit better than I did a couple days ago. That's good. You looked like death a couple days ago. Oh, no. For real. Like Grim Reaper, full, horrific. It was terrible. But I'm back to my sexy, raspy voice. I love that. I've never been sick as often as i have been i feel like in the last six months yeah the last six months have really just been like one right after another for you no and i can listen to it in the episodes like i can you know you know your own voice and the second you hear it, you're like oh god she's sick and then yep. it's like oh no she's better again i don't know it's like just oh god like, she's sick again <laughs> seriously so i'm listening to like i'm gonna listen to this one and be like oh yeah that was when she was sick in january it's yeah. terrible so um and you know speak about myself in the third person apparently oh well i love it but yeah, so we're we're getting on the upswing. Took Ooh. a day to really just try to you rest and not talk to anybody. So I've saved my voice for this. Needed that so bad though. I did, and I've got some soup waiting for me for when we're done recording. Aww. So we'll be good, but we'll make it through. We'll be okay. But you'll hear Hell a little yeah. like sexy rasp and just try Ooh. to you know, don't treat me different, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I sent Allie a, a TikTok. I think it was that's just hysterical. It's this girl who always says like really mundane things but like they're a really big deal like you guys oh my gosh please I'm so like I'm just sick it's just my voice like it's still it's still me I'm still me yeah you don't have to like I know that I'm like don't sexy and raspy and low don't treat me different (laughs) of course you can have an autograph but really like don't just don't don't embarrass me she did one she's so funny I'll I'll link her in the show notes but she did one that was like I'm so sick of people telling me that gen z is perverted like you guys came up with santa baby own it you perverts and like <laughs> i think you sent me that one too i was on a tiktok roll the other day and I, as someone without tiktok i just live vicariously through the ones that abby sends me so but the thing is like tiktok for me is a once in a while treat and then when i do it i go hard i'll be on it for like hours for like a week or two and then nothing for like a couple months there you go um, which is fine. It works. But then I just feel bad for everybody who sends me little messages. Cause I like, I never look at them on any of my socials. Yeah. I think that a lot of them end up getting, I don't know, like re-recorded or transferred over into Instagram too. So yeah. like the reels that you can tell, like a lot of them were TikToks before too. And it's just like, you still end up seeing that a lot of the same ones anyway. Oh, the metaverse. But just like try not to like I see you looking at me all different. Mm-hmm. I just really want you to try to avoid that. It's okay, really I'm hot. still me. I still love you. Ah, um, say it slower. So I just still like love you. Ah, um, and <laughs> we'll get through it. But I really did save my voice for this, so we'll see how I do. Yes. <laughs> so I'm actually just gonna let Allie get a little sip of water here because she just coughed all over you guys. You didn't hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we actually do have a corrections corner. The first one, it was my mistake. Um, and back in episode 49, which was Alec Baldwin's bullet, I said that the victim of the fatal shooting, Helena Hutchinson, was an actress, but she is actually a cinematographer. It is a great point to bring up. I totally missed that. Um, I feel like we kind of went back and forth saying that an actress or something along like a director or whatever. So we might have just got the title. Yes. And her specific title a little bit off. To be fair, I think that I assumed actress because of where she was standing with the shot that right. was happening. But 
Totally fair. It was brought up by Dutch. We're going to say Merrick. It could be Merrick. It's M-A-R-I-C-H, who is a sick film producer or cinematographer himself. Right. He's a film director in Los Angeles. And actually, just because I he reached out to us and he's he's a fan of the pod. So we're, you know, hey, hey, stop copying. Oh, my gosh. Um, But I love I don't know if this is his company or whatever, but Luminol Entertainment. I love that bio so much. Cracks me up. I have such a I have a soft spot for him now. So whatever he comes out with, I need to see because I love the name of that. Um, also we just wanted to give a big thank you because he was so kind amidst the correction and also totally correct that it is one that should be made and brought to light. So, so thank you. Thank you. Yes. Um, but today I'm getting into part two of the Black Dolly Martyr. Yes. Thank you so much because I know you sort of left it up in the air of like, are we going to do a part two to this or... And then yes. we got like the sort of like wave of people being like, no, can you please do a yes. part two of this? So thank you for delivering. Yes, absolutely. And you guys, it's going to be a long one, but I love this it. is only three of the theories. Like, okay. I could probably do a part three, but these are the main ones. These are the ones that I feel like hold the most grasp. Sure. Um, And we'll get, we'll get into it. I'm so oh excited. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Can you do like a little recap of... It's like you know me. I already have it in here, babe. Look at that. Oh. So, howdy, hey, hey, party people. Are you ready? Oh, we're ready. Okay. So, welcome to part two of the Black Dahlia series. Yay. Um, In the first part, we talked about Beth Short's life and death. Beth, who was a Medford, Massachusetts queen. Medford. She, we talked a little bit about her life growing up, her father who was presumed dead just turned out to be long lost and uninvolved for 10 years and then her awesome mom who literally had the worst hand in the world dealt to her but was just the hardest worker and I assume so loyal through everything that she had to go through she was she was awesome the dad was such a piece of shit yeah yeah high key um and Then we talked a lot about her death as well. So she was found as a not mannequin (laughs) in a park. Always are. By a woman and her three-year-old child. Awful. Which is, I can't even imagine having to come across that myself, let alone explain it to a child. You know? Of course. And if they saw her, like, I hope they didn't. I hope the kid was not close enough to the body to know what happened there but right. um it was pretty lewd anyway like she was a naked woman cut in half even if it were a mannequin or a doll or whatever uh-huh that's a really disturbing scene yeah like, why would you do that to a doll and yep. then you think how in the world could someone do that to another person even that yeah. i wouldn't i wouldn't want my kids seeing like a barbie like that like it's yeah just, it's icky like, what the hell it's an image that you don't need replaying in your head no no and so that's how she was found. She was found cut in half at the waist. Um, there is a technical term that I did put in the first part. I didn't look it up again because it's a big word, you guys. And I'm matter. not a medical professional. So. She was um, cut in half. She was cut in half at the waist. And her upper body and torso was found with cuts along her breast. She also had patches of skin missing. Um, she had freshly shampooed hair. And she had cuts from her mouth to her ears like a joker smile. 
I also want to just throw out there again, there were plenty of wounds that weren't um, I don't want to say any of the wounds weren't important, but, you know, there were just some minor wounds as well of like right. kind of hatch marks, almost little lethal. slashes. Yeah. Right. And also a few like bigger patches of skin missing. Right. One of which being that rose tattoo or rosebud tattoo mm-hmm. that was then placed in her trigger warning uh, lady parts. Um, which is horrific. Awful. Like the whole thing is disgusting. Um, and what's even crazier to me is that whoever did this obviously had experience. Like this was not their first rodeo. Whether or not that was their experience being like surgery or something in a medical profession or something like that mm-hmm. versus not doing anything at all. Whoever this was had a lot of blood on their hands. And I I mean metaphorically, but also physically, like she had no blood left in her body. So they right. drained her. And just very interesting to me because I would assume with a crime like this, with the severity and the gruesome nature and just it's gory it's violent like wouldn't there would have to be something leading up to that you know it just it is so violent i mean she was beat over the head right yeah she had that the joker face carved into her face which Mm -hmm. was horrific and i don't recommend looking up the photos of the body but you can find them again that's not something that i would like suggest that you yeah put yourself through because it is it's unsettling but that it just seems so rage filled, but also like curious. Like, well, what mm-hmm. happens if I cut here? What happens if? I, and then just right. to symbolically lay her out, like to shampoo her hair, yeah, to do that, to make sure that there's no blood on her body, to use her. gasoline in the way that they did, to make sure that no evidence was left behind. Like, and it's we're talking meticulous. The 40s. Yeah, this is ridiculous. Like, and a lot of that wasn't known to us yet. Fascinating that. Th- whoever this was had the wherewithal to note that like even if we don't have the technology now they might save it for the day they do right and we do so that to me always puts a little more weight in like a science profession something in the stem field or just someone being educated but you'd have to be pretty damn educated for that to be the thought process while you're killing a body or a body a person yeah um I also just wanted to remind you guys about her bottoms. They were placed about a foot away from her top. Uh, She did have evidence, again, trigger warning here, of being sexually assaulted from the dilation in her anal cavity, which sucks. And then the other thing that's really gross there was the fecal matter that was found in her stomach. Which is horrible. Which to me tells me that it wasn't just a sudden... No. Like blunt force, and then the rest she was not awake for, right? Yeah, that tells me that there was some cord of like sort, some cord of <laughs> sick brain, some sort of like being held in in that captive yeah. and a torture aspect of it, and then forcing her to digest things that you I'm gonna go out on a limb and digesting. say that she would not have done otherwise. Yeah, and um, you know things like that that just it gives more. I don't know. I think just evidence in that column of, okay, she was held somewhere. This wasn't like a one and done kind of thing. Yeah, she wasn't just like snatched off the street, hit over the head. This was like, there wasn't a one day turnaround. Yeah. And I think what's most curious here is whoever it was, obviously, they they worked hard, but they were smart. Um, 
where Beth gets picked apart, like in every article afterwards, it's usually just her being, and this is not intended to be offensive, but if I'm just boiling it down into one summary, like people have a problem with the fact that she pretty much mooched off of people and drifted around from place to place. And I get that being a frustration. I get that being a valid critique. But honestly, if it has nothing to do with why she was chosen to be murdered, there there's no reason for anybody to air dirty laundry from someone who can't explain themselves. Well, not only that, but she's in her early 20s. Yep. She had to move around a bit given her health conditions having to go from massachusetts down to florida back up to massachusetts out to california to work out to do all of these things i mean was she mooching off people or was she just trying to pave her way and i mean she had a a job yep and i think they're a diner she you know seemed to be able to take care of herself enough well and to that i say exactly and fully not for nothing it does sound like in some of these theories we'll get to it but um even if she was like getting money from men or like dating men that were providing for her that this was the 40s and she's 22 yeah to be a woman unmarried supporting yourself like that's hard to do and so i i i don't know i just don't think it's fair to like question character or bring that into it unless it specifically has to do with the victimology right and we could even take it a step further and say what if she was all of those things what if she was the worst of the worst does it matter not less dead still didn't deserve what happened to her and that's where that should be left but i think it's important to talk about the qualities of the victim in terms of why they might have been chosen or how they how they were chosen and victimology is a huge part of creating profiles of catching actual offenders because it, yes it matters why somebody's committing a crime but right in that it also matters who they're committing it against why why does it matter right and so i think for that we are going to get into a little bit of stuff i just wanted to put it out there that unless it's directly related i've left it out because there has been so much that i've seen read that either has little to no evidence backing it up or is just purely not relevant and i'm like you're just shitting on a dead woman to shit on a dead woman Mm -hmm. so um okay well let's get into it then yes what's the first theory we're gonna start with so yes uh we're gonna get into three different theories for a case That is very cold and over 70 years old. All right. All right. So the first theory I wanted to talk about was proposed by Larry Harnish. I talked about him in the last episode. Correct. Larry has a book. He has put up many articles. He also has a website. And don't worry, you guys. Every single source that I use always gets linked in the show notes. Allie likes to say them out loud. I usually forget. But for the sake of saying them today, I got some of my notes here today from rolling stone larry harnish's actual website himself fox news um la times the whole nine so of course anything you want to see is linked and you can read it but larry does state in his website a few different theories he kind of goes over most of them but i'm going to talk about the one that he has stood behind himself So something I wanted to note about Larry for all of these theories and the people proposing them, I do just go on a little tangent to let you know why I trust this theory, why it's one that I would put more weight in than others. 
then we'll get through the actual theory that they have and I'll explain the parts of it that I like or don't like. Okay. Okay. I like it. All right. So Larry, I like so much as a source because he was an investigator and a reporter for the LA Times. So he was like right where all of this was happening. Mm -hmm. And I don't think at the exact same time, obviously, but um, being that close to it and being at the place where most of it was reported on for the first time, I'm sure helps with a lot of actual research. Mm -hmm. But also that he loves journalism, but he always does it with criminology. Which I love because I don't feel like we hear of a lot of journalists that are pretty fluent in terms in criminology and just sort of like expressing more complex theories and ideas that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe I'm just not reading the right ones, but I find it so refreshing when I find them. And so specifically his critiques, like he has published articles of critiques of other proposed solutions and theories to this case that are just so eloquently worded, they're delightful, but also rooted in a lot of evidence and fact, which I like. And so the real reason we're talking about him here, obviously, is to hear his thoughts on what actually happened. But re Larry being a criminology nerd, much of his theory is based on the profile written by John Douglas. Mm-hmm. And John Douglas was the former FBI BAU head. And if that sounds familiar, it's Mind because, Hunter. yeah, he played mm-hmm. a major role in developing Mindhunter. And Douglas's profile was developed in the 1990s after reading The Coroner's Inquest. And if you're like me and you have no idea what that means, and I didn't and had to look it up. <laughs> um, <laughs> a coroner's inquest is basically the investigation led by the coroner of any unknown, violent or unexpected deaths. Ooh. Sometimes there are juries included. I'm not sure if the one in 1990 had one, but nonetheless, this is the profile that was come up with based off of what they found. Okay. I'm going to read off a list of characteristics here. That's all a criminal profile is, is what we think is the most likely characteristics of an offender based off of what we see. Mm -hmm. So this is what John Douglas thought. The offender was likely a young white male, likely in his... 30s or late 20s, at least with a high school education, mm-hmm. was comfortable getting dirty, a.k.a. with blood. Um, right. So likely a tradesman or someone who made a living with, and this is a quote, working with his hands and not his brains, which would also make sense. There's got to be some heavy lifting involved in right. this. Um, John Douglas also thought that this offender would be rigid, patient, compulsive and deliberate. Which I think is an interesting list here, but I think it's very fair for what we see with the crime. Obviously, there's a lot of deliberate cleanup and methodology in how he placed things. I think it's interesting to say rigid and patient in the same. I think it's interesting to say rigid, patient and compulsive all in a row. But it all also makes sense. But to me, that doesn't. In different, yeah, mesh under different in one personality dances, yeah, yeah, like okay, maybe rigid and like imprecise in his right cutting, but like compulsive in the fact that he needs to kill somebody and patient in that these things are going to take time to complete, and he held her maybe for a week, yeah, and deliberate in that there's absolutely no fingerprints, but right. all of these together, it's just a really wide range of people. Um, the other thing that was stated in this kind of bullet point-esque paragraph from John Douglas was that this would also include likely drinking at the time, but also having intimate knowledge and experience with sex workers. 
But I would like to once again point out that there is little to no compelling evidence whatsoever that Beth actually was a sex worker. Right. And so even if this man did have intimate knowledge of sex work and the people within it, I kind of say, so what? Like, if there's nothing leading us there, why are we jumping there? Mm -hmm. Um, But just so you know, that was in there as well. John Douglas also thought this offender may have had an assault or battery history. Um, I teeter back and forth on this. I think yes and no. Um, yes, in that it makes sense with the crime that we're seeing. This to me doesn't say like baby's first crime. <laughs> right. But also, um, it makes sense to me in that the whole body was wiped off. So there wouldn't be any connecting fingerprints. Mm-hmm. The issue I have is that the partials that they found, they never matched up with anything. And if you had a history, even if it was a partial match you'd get a partial match right so we'll see but that was in there douglas also believed that the offender to have been under personal or financial strain at the time of the crime um and my little note here was just um who the fuck wasn't it was the 40s (laughs) uh yes correct but um douglas also believed this to be a relationship obviously um Beth was held for days like we're we're missing a week you know and whether or not she was held hostage against her will or she was willingly there and then murdered against her will Mm -hmm. there had to be some sort of relationship created there and John Douglas his belief in this offender was that she was killed because it was a snap reaction to either being made fun of or maybe she rejected him or something like that John Douglas also thought, and this I find deeply interesting, and I talk about it a lot in the theories that we look at, but the profile believed that the body had been cut for transportation reasons. Okay. Which makes some sense, but also doesn't. And we'll get into that. Okay. John Douglas also thought there must have been a connection to the dump site. So obviously the dump site is where the body is found. Mm-hmm. Beth um, was found on South Norton Avenue. And so he believed there must be some connection there. And John Douglas also believes he wouldn't have gotten involved afterwards, but he would have criticized police action and maybe given like a phony tip if the offender did get involved with the investigation. That makes sense. So back to Larry. Larry takes all of this information, eats it up like a big old feast, and then we kind of get this train of thought. And to be honest with you, I was a little bit disappointed in Larry's theory. I don't, I think this one holds the least amount of weight in my mind of all of them, but I understand where he gets it. I just don't, I might be a little too logical for it. There just doesn't seem to be an obvious connect in my head as to why. Okay. So we'll, we'll get into it. Larry tries really hard to connect Beth to South Norton Avenue where she was found. All he finds, basically, is that there was a witness at her sister Virginia's wedding who lived on that street in 1945. Oh, okay. So keep in mind, she was found deceased in 1947. And in 1945, I I mean, I don't think there's any reason that we would care about who lived there in 1945. Mm -hmm. Also, the only reason that we really know about Virginia and Virginia's existence and importance in this whole role was because she was the sister that came out with their mom, Phoebe to identify. Right. Right. Um, But also 
Virginia hadn't seen Beth in years, which is why she couldn't identify Beth's body. Right. So it's a little weird that the only connection they could find was a witness at her sister's wedding that used to live there. That's a... It feels like a stretch. But it's also a weird coincidence that someone who was a witness at her sister's wedding lived on the street she was found murdered and mutilated on. So I I understand it, but I don't really see the connect connect. I'd also want to know how many other parks and things that were around. Right. That this offender would have had an opportunity to leave her at. Because if that's the only one and that's... Yeah. He wanted it sort of on display. Well, then by all means, that's where it's going to be. Is interesting to me as somebody who like in my hometown, I know where a bunch of different parks are that aren't immediately right by where I live. Mm -hmm. Like I could find a relatively secluded park, a few like neighborhoods over a few towns over just from having lived there for so long. Yeah. And presumably if there's a connection with this street, we're kind of taking away the idea that any of these people might have had a mental map of where would be best for them to leave her so I don't know Mm -hmm. but here's the thing that's really interesting so that connect from Virginia's wedding the witness obviously they moved they didn't live there anymore so now at that address which was 3959 South Norton Avenue uh, an older surgeon was residing there and he had developed Alzheimer's and began to live um kind of wild so i don't know if he had like a three-quarter life crisis or what but this guy left his wife and kids moved in with a hot young doctor that he hired at his practice and was developing alzheimer's okay and harnish speculates that the doctor might have killed her on accident after becoming acquainted um and that there was a contest of the doctor's will so the man that lived there he passed And when he passed the original wife, she contested his will. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what his will said. And maybe he gave it all to the hot young thing or something like that. Who knows? But she stated that he had shared a terrible secret with this young female doctor. And that's why the will was all weird. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And so all in all, first, it's a speculation. I guess it's fine. But whoever handled the body needed some amount of comfort around blood and cleaning. And given the state that Beth was found, like it's fine that he's a suspect, like he's reasonable. But to me, he doesn't ring like bells. This is the one. Right. So whoever did this obviously is speculated to have the medical knowledge. He was a surgeon. That would be great. Um, but my main concerns with this theory are literally what's the motive? Mm-hmm. Why? Um, also, there's no concrete evidence that the two even knew each other. Yeah. So it's like, are you expecting that she, what, like drunkenly walked down the street, knocked on her sister who she hadn't seen in years, friend's address, and then just got caught up with this crazy Alzheimer's ridden doctor? Doesn't sound super compelling for me. Same. And so there's also no concrete evidence that the doctor's wife, like the first wife was being honest. But also, even if she was being honest about some weird secret that had been shared between the two of them, there's also nothing to prove that it had anything to do with Beth. (coughs) Sorry. You're good. So, not super great there. 
also, if the profile speculates that a, the offender has intimate knowledge of sex work in that field, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me that this man who had a wife and family and then pulled a hot young doctor would need to be intimately known with the sex work world. I mean, maybe he was. Maybe that was like a hobby. But like it doesn't to me, it doesn't scream like he needs to hire someone to get it up. Ooh. Like he's got enough pieces going around. But also, and lastly, this is honestly one of the most compelling reasons that this doesn't work for me, is this man has diminishing mental capacity. He's got Alzheimer's. Do we really think that a man who has Alzheimer's would have the wherewithal and the ability to write letters, to taunt the police, to clean this body, and then to bring her somewhere? And how old is he? I'm old enough. He 50s or 60s. Okay. At least. Well, I'm thinking like Alzheimer's. I was just picturing him a little bit older, but I'm just thinking that's a lot to carry. That's yeah. a lot to move. That's a lot of physical, like laborious well, work involved in this crime. And that just doesn't seem like something, somebody who's growing weaker and like yeah. slowing down a bit is going to sign themselves up to do. That and also, like, let's even go out on a limb. What if it was the doctor and the hot young thing? Mm-hmm. Like, there's no reason for it. They must have just really wanted to kill someone if this is the theory that is, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I don't really buy it. I think the Alzheimer's piece, along with writing letters and taunting the police, that's... That does it for me. I'm like, okay, that's kind of like the last straw. It seems like it could have been possible. But again, with the Alzheimer's, that's what to me says improbable. But that being said, I also like to give credit where credit is due. And because I like Larry Harnish so much and genuinely like the way that he does think and explain things, I do have some understanding as to where he would get this theory. It does make sense that if you're in a weird spot, you'd go to somewhere you know If the body had been separated for carrying and transportation, it might make sense that it's an older man. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, in the profile, it says like 20s or 30s, something doesn't connect super well with this idea of separation for transportation. So I kind I don't know. It makes more sense to me in that way. If that part of the profile rings true, that it really was just to move the body, that it would be someone a little bit weaker. Um. I also think the medical knowledge checks like he was a surgeon. He knew what to do. Mm-hmm. That whole thing. OK, so that's theory one. Now we're going to theory two. OK. Theory two was put out by Pew Eatwell. Okay. So this is her theory. And she is an author who approached this case as well, obviously. But what I like about her perspective is that it's fresh eyes. She wasn't super into this. It wasn't like her lifelong passion to solve. Mm-hmm. She was an author. She wrote a few not or no, a few fiction books between like 2013 and 2016. Mm-hmm. She also wrote the book on the Black Dahlia and hers is called The Black Dahlia Red Rose. Okay. Which is funky. And this book and her theories are really influenced by the DA files from the 1949 grand jury interviews. Ooh. So I like that she's taking evidence right from the investigation. And also, she thought that somebody else did it. Ooh. So, P. 
Pew thought, Leslie Dillon did it, and Mark Hansen assisted. All right, so Pew thought that Leslie Dillon did it, and Mark Hansen assisted. Okay. So here we have some characters to refresh on. We're going to do a quick little update on Mark Hansen in case you forgot. I did talk about him in the first part. And this might be familiar as we discuss the immediate aftermath of Beth's murder that someone had called the L.A. Times or the Examiner. I'm, I'm not recalling immediately which news line they called, but stated they had souvenirs for the editor. Yes. And that was the uh, I think it was probably just like a large manila envelope, but of her birth certificate with some photos, just like a little slew of things of hers. Yeah. And also an address book that had the name Mark Hansen on the cover and it had 77 names in it. So Mark Hansen owned that little lounge and the cocktail bar that Beth was last seen in. She also had rejected Mark recently, which might have hit a motive box. But I could see that while he was cleared from initial interviews and police. I just wanted to do that quick recap because they did look at him and they either didn't find enough evidence or didn't find it compelling enough to charge him with anything. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about Leslie Dillon. Leslie Dillon is not a name we've seen yet. No. About two years after the case came to light and also kind of went cold here, police received information from someone who called themselves Jack Sand. Now, Jack said that a man named Jeff Connors must have done it because allegedly Beth threatened to air an affair, and this is a direct quote, not considered proper by the average person. Oh, now that's sus as hell. I did not do a ton of research on Jeff Connors. But that is because as the police followed more and more of these leads, they thought that Jeff Connors might have been an alias. Although he turned out to be a real person. So not really Ooh. the case. But originally, as they're going down these leads, they're they're more concerned with Mr. Jack Sand here. And they learned that Jack Sand was actually Leslie Dillon and that Leslie just so happened to have worked for Mark Hansen at the club. Okay. Isn't that interesting? Leslie also knew like intimate details about the case. And these are details that the police hadn't released. So Allie and I have discussed previously here that there are frequently details that are pertinent to a case that police or law enforcement will keep secret. And this is basically so that police have a way of knowing when someone is telling the truth about committing a crime or about having knowledge on one. And also, as we discussed in part one, there was a lot of money offered by a city councilman for someone whose direct help would give the police the killer. And so there are plenty of reasons that someone might falsely confess here. Mm -hmm. Whether or not they actually think they're helping and they have false information that they think could be something or if it's greed and they want monetary gain or even if they just have a mental illness and have convinced themselves that they might have done it. There's plenty of reasons. Mm -hmm. So it was a big old red flag or I don't know, maybe green flag for offender suspects that Leslie knew these details. So they had two questions, I guess, that they screened everybody with a tip on. And he had the correct answer to both, which were both details not released to the public. Yeah, that's that's telling. Yeah. 
And while none of these three men, Leslie Dillon, Mark Hansen, or Jeff Connors, who, again, was figured out to be his own person, but we also have not confirmed that Beth threatened, none of them were ever charged. But Pew Ewell actually believes the three combined were working together on this murder. Pew believes that at this time, Leslie was staying at a place called the Astor Motel. Um, Also, by the way, by the fucking way, the Astor Motel later admitted to having found a room and having to clean a room covered in blood and fecal matter. Oh, what the hell? And they just fucking didn't think to uh, call that in? Just another day at the office? I guess. Ew. Yeah. So that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of a lot. But also, there were witnesses who recalled seeing a dark-haired woman who looked like Beth at the motel in the week between her going missing and being found. So I think it was January 9th to 14th. She was found on the 15th. And then there are also witnesses who recall seeing a man described to look just like Mark Hansen. So very fascinating. And in fact, according to Fox News, Hansen was very nonchalant about the whole thing. Um, Despite the fact that he obviously knew Beth and tried to do something with her that she rejected he said to fox news she just asked for trouble she probably went too far this time and just set some guy off in a blind berserk rage well that's not very nice no no she's dead mark (laughs) damn she's mutilated mark i don't think that's fair i don't think you can make fun of someone into mutilating you just because she didn't want to date you mark Take a seat, bud. It's okay. So, here's the thing about Mark. Mark was a multimillionaire. Okay. In the 40s. Okay. So, he was doing good. He was doing all right. And he owned this club, but he also owned a bunch of movie theaters where Beth would hang around because she wanted to make her big break. Right. And find people going to see the movies. Okay. So... It makes a lot of sense to me that, you know, maybe they were screwing around a little bit or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hansen was married. I believe he was separated. But if he wasn't, he was married and had an apartment that was huge that he would just invite women to stay over at with promises of, like, helping them hit it big. Oh, jeez. And then they just end up as dancers in his clubs. Correct. Um, But, you know, it's quite possible that he has a lot of money and could have just hired a hitman mm-hmm. as well which could have been someone that used to work for him oh, that he that knows that didn't look like a hit but know how to work yeah. right so evidence that our girl pew cited included much of the following leslie Dillon has reported to have some animosity towards a woman in a lot of the interviews that he had mm-hmm. also leslie Dillon knew some of the secret information but also He had details about the case that even the LAPD didn't have at the time. Very sus. Dylan also knew the area around 39th and South Norton Avenue where our girl Beth was found. So things I like about this story or this theory, I suppose. Typically, I do like to subscribe to the Occam's razor theory, basically being that the most simple answer to explain something is probably the most likely. But I also think that for this case, it's wicked complicated. And actually, more people kind of make sense to me. Like, we were talking about that profile. 
All of those adjectives to me don't say one personality. They say a few different because you kind of have to be meticulous on different things. Mm-hmm. And to me, I don't know, two or three people, that might make a lot of sense. Um, also, motive, the only motive that we've really found is rejection. And I don't know that, I mean, I'm a woman and I've heard of all the stories in which we just reject a man and he goes into a blind rage. So I know it happens, mm-hmm. but I'm also not a killer. And it makes a lot of, conf- like, it just makes me really confused to think that rejection could be the only reason you'd want to kill someone. Mm-hmm. And so to me, the idea of maybe two or three men who she rejected or pissed off, like amping each other up somehow makes more sense in my head. Mm. Because you can kind of be like, yeah, that was fucked up. That was wrong. Like, yeah. And sort of get some sort of camaraderie out of it or some shit. I don't know. Those are some fucked up individuals. Yeah. Um, but. I I don't know. It just makes more sense to me that it could be more multiple people with all of the conflicting evidence and things that we've found. Mm-hmm. But in correspondence with the profile initially put out, I like that this theory covers the idea of giving a fake tip line. So if Jeff Connors was real or not, whether or not he was involved or if Beth even threatened him, if Leslie Dillon did this, he called in a fake tip. And Foley, not for nothing, there's no evidence yet where a witness says there was a third man. Mm-hmm. There's nothing indicating that a Jeff Connors had anything to do with it. Right. So very possible there. Also, it makes sense that even if Leslie Dillon made him up as just a way to throw people off track, that he was doing it to throw the investigation off his trail. So, like, that makes some sense to me. Um, the other thing that makes sense to me with this theory is that other profile tips like... The perpetrator being a young white man, all of these men were younger and at least Leslie and Mark were both white men who were educated, mm-hmm. which all fit. And I assume that if Leslie was working for Mark and this was the case, like the two of them really did work together, whether or not there was a third involved, that one of them might have been the brains and the other one might have been the one doing the thing. Yeah, the brains and the brawn. Right. And. Sure. If Leslie worked for him, I'm I'm assuming it was probably at the bar or the clubs or one of the movie theaters. But there's a lot of technical skill that needs to be in any business that has a building like mm-hmm. there's plumbing, HVAC, the whole thing. You have to have someone who knows their shit or at least have the right guy who knows their shit to call when shit hits the fan. Right. So. But I think while all of this makes a lot of sense, there's also things I dislike about this theory. Again, Occam's razor. Why do we need three people? Mm-hmm. That's a lot. But also, I don't see a match here with much of the profile. Like, would any of these men be comfortable with medical procedures or being drenched in blood? Also, would this be antithetical to cutting her for transportation? These are three young, healthy men. Mm-hmm. Why would they need to do that? One of them probably could have carried Beth on her own. She was, what, 115 pounds, they said in her mm-hmm. autopsy? Yeah, that's a keg. The guy owns a bar. Like, I know. That's not a problem at all. So I don't get that. And there were also three of them. So, like, just tag team it if it's too much. I don't know. I wonder if transportation wasn't necessarily meaning, like, 
weight their yeah their ability to lift her but just like where they could fit her mm-hmm. and easier to do that in two spots like in two like in a car like in a yeah. i don't know i don't know what the size of a trunk was in the 40s same but would she not have fit or in a back seat because they didn't want the trunk or something like that yeah it's just interesting and i also wonder if part of that is like concealment mm-hmm. you know if she is in a car maybe she does fit but you know, you want to throw a blanket over her so nobody walking down the street looks in. I think it's a lot easier know. when it's in smaller, manageable mm-hmm. pieces, which is just like horrific to think of a person reduced to that. Yeah. But. So, it, yeah, it's just interesting. And this also doesn't coincide with the idea that there was personal or financial strain at the time. That's the other thing. Like, I, I don't know. I think that Dylan staying in a motel for a week should be enough evidence it's the 40s the guy has enough money to stay in a motel for a week like nobody did and mark hansen had millions of dollars in the 40s right so i wouldn't really call that strain and i will say i did read in reports and though i wasn't able to verify any of this information to see how um ubiquitous they were in other reports or how accurate it was but I did read claims that there may have been some illegal activity happening at the club that Mark owned. However, while this may account for some strain, these reports also allege that he was paying the LAPD to look the other way. Um, which I also couldn't verify. Obviously, if I didn't verify the first one, I couldn't with the second. But wouldn't that alleviate some of that said stress? Right. They know when you're just paying them okay that's not stressful so what if she fucking tells them they know so i don't know i don't really buy like i i like this case because it makes sense for motive it makes sense for access but i'm just not sold you mean this theory yes yeah sorry yes this theory so now we're gonna go to the last one and this one i also like but i also have some real qualms with don't tell me it's the dad it's not the dad but it is a dad. Okay, so it's not Cleo? No, it's not Cleo. So we're going to talk about George Hodel. Okay. Now, this theory was put out by Steve Hodel. Mm-hmm. And in case you were wondering, Steve is the fifth child of George Hodel. Steve was born in 1941. Okay. So six years before Beth is found deceased. Mm-hmm. And Steve has a great theory here but also it's partially great because of the connection that he has so because he is george hodell's son steve knew that his dad was a doctor and he also believes him to be beth's killer so some character building points here just for steve He was on the LAPD for 23 years from the 1960s to the 1980s. He's worked on over 300 homicide cases. And when his father died in the 1990s, Steve was working as a private investigator. But the story doesn't stop here because as Steve was going through his father's things, not only did he start to suspect George of being a murderer, much less our murderer, Steve believed that his father was something much bigger than that. Well, of course, obviously also being responsible for Beth's murder. So, in 2003, Steve also put out a book on 
the Black Dahlia. And his was titled Avenging Black Dahlia. Oh. And this is a book obviously dedicated to the murder of Beth Short um, and was published with his suspicions of his own father being the perpetrator. Yeah. That's a big claim, my friend. It sure is. But let, hold on to your butts. All right. So who was Dr. George Hodel? First things first, he's a doctor. And you know what that means? Comfort with blood and also knowledge on medical procedures. Correct. Like, I don't know the body friggin'ectomy that split Beth into two. Correct. One descriptor I did think was really funny when I was looking up George Hodel was that he's been described as fashionable. Okay. In various corners of the internet. And I was like, I didn't know we were doing that for suspected murderers now. I like that. But he was. His hair routine looked great. I love that. But he's also probably a piece of shit. So um, I do like his hair, but pretty much nothing else I learned about him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So whether or not George was the actual offender here that murdered Beth, Mm -hmm. I did not find a lot of really uh, golden nuggets in his, his life either. So, George, this actually, I think, was probably a good thing, ran a venereal disease clinic in the Hollywood area, which, if you don't know, is basically just like an STI clinic. Mm-hmm. So, George's 14-year-old daughter, trigger warning here, accused him of incest in 1949. Okay. So, the- she's 14. And this is the writer of the book's sister. Yes. Okay. And in 1949, he was acquitted. Because the court ruled her a faulty witness. Do you want to know why? Oh, do I? Um, actually, I think you do. Because okay. she was only considered a faulty witness after she also claimed that George killed Beth Short. Oh. Mm-hmm. Why? Uh, because that was crazy. He just he just assaulted you. He didn't okay, but then murder that other go- girl, oh, okay. too. Okay. So they pretty much just thought she was, like, exaggerating and catastrophizing. Yeah. But George was not charged with this, though he did flee the fucking country in 1950. Okay. Well, at least you didn't have to go and, like, live with him again. Yeah, that's fair. And this was after having his house surveyed by police. So Uh. was this to get away from the madness or avoid truth coming out or both? We might never know. Right. But here's where Steve gets going even more on his theory. So remember, Beth had left Hollywood for a little bit and was in San Diego or San Fran, I'm not sure, right before her death. So she Mm -hmm. was there for like a month Mm -hmm. in December. And then Steve believes that Beth knew his father. He doesn't know how, but he thinks she did. And somehow she angered him. So... Steve believed that Beth knew his father and angered him so badly that she had to flee the L.A. area. And that's why she left for like a month. But Steve also thoroughly believes that the motive to move there was to escape. But he also believes that his dad found her because he believes when George found her, that's when she returned to L.A. Like he went there and brought her back. Either he went there and brought her back or sent her a a strongly worded letter or something like that to be like, fucking, I know where you are. Like, what are you doing? So. But what does he care? Exactly. Exactly. So Steve also says that once she returned, he believes his father and her had gotten a hotel room together at 
East or on East Washington Boulevard. And he also believes that his father killed Beth on January 14th and posed her the next day. Okay. So they had a hotel for a week. Mm hmm. Okay. And the posing was believed to be a nod to the surrealistic art that George was infatuated with. Mm-hmm. This is interesting. Um, I kind of see it contested on the internet as to whether or not a the surrealism that came out at this time would have even been accessed by George Hodel in L.A. But also there is some interesting surrealism pieces that have like, you know, the Joker smile in them and just weird distorted things. So it's possible, but I'm not holding my breath for that to be the whole positioning reason well the first know? the first thing that showed up when i typed in 1940s surrealism was fashion and yeah weird oh. calling him fashionable so fashionable not that i'm saying guy. there's a connect there but maybe there is i don't know but steve when he was going through his father's things after george passed thought that he found pictures of elizabeth short in some of his albums okay this human whether or not it is beth looked eerily similar like you can find the photos yeah they look very similar and apparently the other thing that is kind of a strike two here against george was that the handwriting that he had was a very close match to the letter to the police or some of the writing on like the souvenir stuff and further three witnesses claimed that he knew beth so there are three people that they're calling competent witnesses that would testify that he knew Beth. Ooh. But also there are other witnesses that are considered credible saying that they saw the two together that week. Okay. Yes. Now, evidence also includes a letter written to one of the detectives Not by anyone that we know. I think it was anonymous. But it was written to a detective stating that the killer was a doctor who lived on the same street that George lived on. Okay. Not to mention, in early 1950, before he fled, George's house was bugged by the LAPD. Okay. Like, come on. (laughs) So, here's where it gets tricky, though. I think that all of this sounds great. But Steve takes it to extremes, maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. Steve believes that while his father was responsible for Beth's death, he also believes that his father was the Zodiac killer. Well, there's a lot of similarities with Zodiac and with this one, so I could see that. And there's reports all over the fucking place, by the way, that think he could have also been the lipstick killer in chicago i saw that and that's just a really interesting mix crossover there yeah yeah and here's the thing that to me gives this theory a lot of weight the county da for la stated that the evidence in steve's books alone would be enough to convict his father of beth's murder And another woman's murder. Oh, shit. Her name was Jean French or Jean. Jean? No, Jean. Yeah, it's got to be Jean, right? She's Jean. I don't know. It's, I think, a French spelling, but I just want to say Janine so bad, and it's not that. But anyway. (laughs) um, So the fact that a county DA is like, that's enough, 
Like, I believe that I would convict that. Like, I would take this to trial. I think what you've got there is enough for me. Yes. Yeah. That says something to me. However, with George deceased, that wasn't really an option. And I think that this increases validity for me that the DA would back it up. But also, I understand where this would get shot down real fast with someone just being like, he's the Zodiac killer. You know? And so... What I like about this theory, A, two immediate family members believe that this is the truth. Two of his kids now have said it publicly. Yeah, that's rough. One on record, like testified. That's bad. And by the way, whoever was ruling over that courthouse who said that she wasn't being honest just because she also thought this, go fuck yourself. Like that has nothing to do with being assaulted by your dad. That sucks. Like that that disgusts me but that she was just sort of disregarded because of that but at the same time she might have been onto something and i'm guessing what she's the old she's older than she must have been because she was 14 in 49 so she was eight years older she might have been like one of the oldest because he steve was number five and he was born in 1941 yeah yeah so Another thing I like about the story, Dr. Hodel had medical knowledge, um, which means he would have understood the cutting procedure. But here's what I like about it even more. Uh He wasn't a practicing surgeon. He worked in an STI clinic. So like he absolutely diagnosed people, saw like patients and helped, Uh but he didn't do any surgery. And if we remember from part one, the actual procedure that was done was really antiquated at the time. It still wasn't really done anymore. Mm-hmm. And so to me, I'm kind of thinking like, OK, you go to medical school. What do you learn in your practicums? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you get judged on whether or not you can perform surgery? Mm-hmm. And to me, and this is speculation. Like, I have nothing to back this up, but it does make sense that if you're going to perform something like that, if it's not your average, maybe it's something that you just learned in school and you knew how to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can see that. But also... He matches a lot of the profile put out because he is said to be egotistical. He's educated. He's young. And he is, I mean, I I don't know. Like, I feel like he just matches a lot of this. He's comfortable with the blood. He did act weird after everything came out, which is also put in there, Mm -hmm. you know? And they said they didn't expect whoever it was to get involved. But if he did a false tip right but he didn't get involved which is also part of the profile so i think he matches a lot i also think it's worth noting that again obviously educated and not to mention a little older so the idea of cutting for transportation if it's a weight thing does check out it also checks out that he might not you know he might take a little extra effort in concealing that because he has a reputation to uphold Mm -hmm. and especially if he owns an STI clinic, he would have intimate knowledge of the sex work field. Again, I don't think Beth was in it. I've found nothing telling me that. But if it's in the profile and it fits, I'm going to say it. Mm-hmm. Like that. I mean, it's quite possible. So 
I also think it's a little interesting because he is a doctor. So I'm sure he actually didn't need like a lot of reasoning that he might have a dead body around. Like that's weird. But like cadaver practice exists, you know? Right. But like if I were to go to my primary care and be like, oh, who's that in the corner? And it's a dead body. <laughs> like that's concerning to me. Well, I don't think he would put it in the fucking patient room. No, but, but, you, know, like, but you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, sure, like someone has someone with a medical background might mm-hmm. have been ar- maybe more around more dead bodies than you or I. But yeah, would you expect them to be there? Maybe not. So not with you, but I would say like. You know, a lot of hospitals have cadavers in the basement to practice on, which, by the way, terrifying. Would never want to be abandoned oh my in a God, h- you hospital. Pay me to like go no. down to that floor. Hell no. Um, but or could you? Or could you? Anyway, I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that he could have had an easy out if he wanted to, but also if he's done it before. That might be where some of them went, but he drained or whoever it is, maybe not even Dr. Hodel, but whoever this was drained this body of their blood, which does happen with cadaver practice. Mm-hmm. So it matches up in my head at least a little bit. It I don't also know. Would not be odd for him to have like vials or blood mm-hmm. bags or anything like if he just dumped the blood and put it in something like that, who's going to know? Right, exactly. Is it odd to see somebody, to see a medical professional with that? No, not at all. No. You wouldn't think twice about it. Exactly. Like, if you brought that out at my dinner table, though, like, we'd have a conversation about I'd it. I'd be like, that's not what I wanted the turkey basted in. Like, you wouldn't be coming to dinner again, probably. Yeah. And it would, you know, it would sort of go from there. Unless but you're having, like, a blood transfusion and it's connected to your arm, I'd be like, put the shit away. I'll see you never. Like, we're trying to Goodbye. eat. Goodbye. Thank you. Correct. I have enough iron in my diet. Thank you. But some of those things I could see, like, add up and, like, I don't know. Also, the special attention paid to, like, her tattoo being removed and placed inside of her is telling. I think you could make a connect there. Yes. And I also think here that, you know, an allegation of incest from your 14-year-old daughter in the 40s pretty i don't know to me that's a big deal because as a woman knowing what happens when you're kind of cut off from that main source line at that time she had to be pretty fucking pissed and pretty hurt to do something like that even if it wasn't true and i'm i'm not saying it wasn't i don't know i wasn't there i wasn't in the courtroom couldn't tell you but if it was to me that's the the biggest reason to go through all of that trauma Mm -hmm. and consequences at 14 in the 40s yep but if it wasn't what else was happening that she felt like that was necessary right so either way red flag for me but what i dislike about this story is that if his well okay first of all just in general if his daughter said he did it and his son said he did it where when are we giving credit Uh Like that's two kids being like, yeah, that man who raised me killed this woman. Yeah. Yeah. And so for that, I'm, I'm glad that the DA was like, yeah, it's a really compelling case. That's going to hurt to have your kids say that. Yeah. Well, it probably hurts to murder people. Well, well, hurts the murdered people. Yeah. Um, but the things that I really dislike about this theory is that a, his house was tapped, but the police let him flee. Uh So I don't know, but pew eat well. Even she was saying in her research, she fully found pages missing 
like she was saying she thought that evidence had been tampered with for real um there would be pages missing there would be sections like highlighted or not highlighted but like sharpied out and she was like i understand that you can't give everything out to the public but there would be chunks missing right and she was like that just doesn't add up because it wasn't noted like redacted for whatever purposes right it was just normally it has to gone and you know it is the 40s it's la i don't know what the police force was like then but we all have heard stories on stories on stories over obviously like decades and decades of misconduct in law enforcement wherever that is and it is possible whether or not it had to do with this case or beth specifically or potential suspects specifically or the doctor having enough money to be able to pay somebody to mess with it anyway exactly that it it's totally possible that it could have been something that was paid off that was specifically crooked or that could have been protecting somebody involved's ass for something else going on that they didn't want getting out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But it's worth noting that I don't like that the police let him flee, but I, I don't know that they would have cared. I don't know that they... I don't have enough evidence to say they would have or wouldn't. Could they have done anything about it? Like, if they didn't have enough to get him on, they didn't have enough to get him on. He's free to go where he wants exactly. to go. Exactly. Well, and here's the thing. I think, too, that if they had stopped him, I don't know if he was aware that his house was bugged. Mm-hmm. He knew it was searched. I don't know if he knew it was bugged. So I don't know that if they would have stopped him, they probably would have had to say that whether or not he knew. But also, if he fled and they had tapped his house, they've got nothing to go off of. He's not there. Right. So I think it's kind of like. Well, it's just the kids just talking about how happy they are. Dad's not there anymore. Yeah. Like beating them or Seriously. whatever. Okay, so really quick, just before I give my final thoughts on this wrap up in the first part, I did mention that there was a theory that Cleo had done it. But when I was looking into that and reading more in depth on it, actually, what I found out was that entire theory was just based off the fact that he refused to identify the body and he refused to go to the funeral. Which like, that's awful. (laughs) Oh, you dick on a stick. But like, yeah, is that really a murder theory? I don't know. Correct. Also, I do like dick on a stick as an insult. That's good. I like it. Yeah. I'll use that. But Cleo just was, for all intents and purposes, the most deadbeat dad. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, Things are hard. So I'm just going to park my car on the bridge and make it look like I'm dead so that you all mourn me. I want to leave my family. A five. in, In despair. In financial ruin. In the most difficult economic time of their lifetimes. And I want them to grieve me and miss me and think of me in high regard. Because I'm going to stage it to look like I'm going to take my own life. But really, I'm going to run away and have a family with somebody else. And you know, in 10 years, I am going to ask to come back. When the kids are raised and the hard work (laughs) is done. Fuck. I remember that bed was really comfy. Can I come back and lay in it? Yeah. No, you piece Mm, of shit. No. No. So I wanted to touch on that, but I just wanted to wrap up these three potential theories. Sure. So I think out of these three, George Hodel makes the most logical sense. But the Hanson Dylan Connors collab is a close second for me. I'm all on the the last one. Not the, not the Cleo one. one, but the <laughs> the George Hodel. Uh, yeah. I think 
with his knowledge and the ways I think that he does fit the pro the mm-hmm. profile and again with being educated with being a doctor and working in an STD clinic where I think he would have worked if they're saying in the profile he would be well known in the sex world industry mm-hmm. or at least an ally to them in some kind of way right um and have access to them I think that that's a really like responsible way he would have been and no one would second guess that right I mean what are you gonna say like fuck you you shouldn't treat that of course you should no and you're you have you know he's still bound by that he's still gonna treat them and he had some kind of passion for it but did that passion turn like sinister and gruesome and is that why the focus on like that part of her body was like in the in the um the autopsy and everything I've got sick brain so I feel like I'm saying a lot of words that aren't making sense but no you are you are but I think that a lot of that holds weight and then finding old photos of her and old photo albums is very like haunting yes and for me like uh, photos is high up there but also for me again like like you just said george quote-unquote checks the most boxes in terms of this profile and then he ran away yeah and i'd say that this is a pretty golden suspect but what i dislike here is again no confirmation on how they would know each other why mm-hmm. and also why it would matter that he got so pissed right why would it matter so much that she had to flee and then why would it matter so much that she'd have to come back i don't know unless he was paying for housing for her or something or something. Had some kind of like pull over her yeah no idea and so i mean like it's totally possible i that's just like questions still left up in the air for me that i haven't found answered yet but I have, I'm not a detective on this case. I don't know what's out there yeah. that isn't out there. Um, but also, I think, you know, he worked at the STI spot. So despite being a doctor, not being an active surgeon, actually, to me, is another point in his favor here. Like, mm-hmm. he knows how to do it. He's learned the thing. But he doesn't practice it daily. Right. He might not know the most up-to-date techniques that don't cut through your intestines. You know, like, I right. don't know. But also, um, or it's his like old, you know, medical books from the, from 1915. It was like, oh, world world war one. We didn't really know what we were going to be doing heading into, you know, heading into that, that realm of things and still draining people of their blood to get rid of their illnesses. Yeah. And like kidding. It wasn't that late, but the same (laughs) instrument. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I think that, you know, maybe it was just like a dated practice that like he had in a book when he was right. first starting out. I don't know. I don't know how old he was at this time, but I'm assuming he's been doing it for decades. And yeah, I mean, you at least have to be these days to get even through your medical degree to practice, mm-hmm. let alone to be working at a clinic that I believe was his. I'm not entirely convinced, but I saw a lot that said it was his clinic. Which to me says business owner and has had to work long enough to prove himself as a doctor and then open up a clinic. Yeah. Plus he has five kids. So like. Correct. He's at least well established in his life. Mm -hmm. But the Hanson Dylan Connors cover up also makes sense to me. Like despite none of them having multiple children accusing them of this. um, There seems to be more motive which is a big deal to me. Mm -hmm. Like without it we're still left with the why. Right. We still don't know. And yes, Hodel makes a lot of sense and checks a lot of boxes, but couldn't a bunch of people check boxes and have no relation to her? Mm-hmm. The only reason that I hold that one 
just higher than the Hanson Dylan Connors cover up is because there were at least three witnesses willing to say that they knew each other and that they saw them together that week. Right. And then his own daughter saying not only is yeah. he a monster at home, he's a monster to other people. But I also fully believe, you know, who knows what she overheard. Right. Or, or saw him come saw. home with or whatever. Yeah. So especially with this whole idea that he could also be the Zodiac killer and an, like responsible for more deaths. Right. So. But that trio there to me, and I know it, that it wouldn't be the first time it's happened, but yeah, this crime scene gives me like lone wolf. Mm-hmm. Like took his time, Jack the Ripper type. Yeah. Like I want the attention on me. Like it was, it was quick, but it was s- deliberate, mm-hmm. but it was posed, mm-hmm. but it was clean. Yeah. Like didn't leave anything behind. And to me, I think something as kind of fucked up as all of that was. Yeah. You'd have a really hard time round tabling that with two other people that are going to yeah. be on board with that with you. Yeah. So, I I don't I don't see that being a group effort. I agree. The reason I think that that still holds some weight to me was also Pew Eatwell in some of her conversations about it did say that she thought it was primarily Hanson. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not even convinced Connors was a part of any of this. There's been no evidence, but I'm right. throwing it in there because it was he was mm-hmm. included. But um, Hanson apparently, as him and his wife were separated beth would have some other boyfriends and again i think boyfriend is being used very loosely it was the 40s anybody went on a date with was probably your boyfriend but she could have got milkshakes with somebody and they're like she's a whore yeah probably um but anytime she got dropped off by a boy she had to get dropped off blocks away because hansen's anger was so bad that even the guys wouldn't deal with it they'd be like no i'm dropping you off here i don't want to deal with that yeah so that to me is like kind of a red flag, but also um, I find the motel room to be very convincing evidence. Like I just find that very compelling to me. Now, let me ask you this, though, mm-hmm. just to play devil's advocate. Absolutely. And it's disgusting to think about, but you have to imagine in a lot of hotel and motel rooms, there's blood, piss and shit. No. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we're just really lucky that we don't see or you hope that you don't see the remnants of that. You don't want to yeah. see like a little skid mark. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the, they th- I think a lot of people do a lot of things in hotel and motel rooms that they wouldn't do at home because there's the luxury of this isn't mine. I don't care about this. Right. And so if things get disgusting or a kid throws a tantrum or whatever it is, it's just, well, it's not, it's not our house. Right. Y- to take a UV light or whatever to oh, the carpet, to, to yeah, the I would carpet never. of there, you'd never step foot in anything again. Like, you no. feel like you need a hazmat suit to go in them. But the thing to me that is so compelling about it is not necessarily just that there was a room full of blood and fecal matter, but that there was a room full of blood and fecal matter found right after Leslie Dillon, who called in, who knew intimate details about the case, right. checked out. Yes. That to me is compelling. Now, does that mean that Leslie Dillon might have, like, couldn't have been close friends with George Hodel and just heard all this shit? Mm-hmm. No, there's nothing to say that. There's actually no writing here whatsoever about whether or not any of the suspects were connected. Right. So, 
God only knows. They're all just getting drinks together. Yeah. Oh, God. That would not be a fun party. Could you imagine being a fly in the wall in one of their conversations, though? I'd love to hear it. I think I'd want to vom, but I would want to hear it. Oh, I'd want to hear it. So, <laughs> that being said, um, again, also with Pew Eatwell, when she was talking about the tampering with the evidence and the pages that would just be missing, honestly, believe it or not, like, that makes me believe even more that it was George Hodel and not the three. Mm-hmm. Because to me, that says money and power and influence. And yeah, Mark Hansen has a bunch of money. But if you're a police officer and you're, for shits and gigs, getting paid off to cover up other illegal things happening at a club, mm-hmm. why would you take out full pages? Why wouldn't you just cross it out and say redacted for whatever reason? Because clearly you figured out a way to cover that up anyway. Or... Mm-hmm. Your law enforcement officer who isn't getting paid off to do those things. In which case, what does it fucking matter if a bar owner tries to like mm-hmm. do anything? That I don't know. I feel like the super angry doctor who was at least alleged to assault his child mm-hmm. might be a little bit more of a concerning enemy. Yes. So... I I don't know. To me, that actually says more in favor for George. But that being said, I'm thoroughly not convinced that our first doctor suspect had anything to do with this. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it lines up in terms of motive, opportunity, or rationale. I don't think that he was in a position to have done that. Correct. And, and just the street of it and like, oh, the wedding. And that's such a stretch. It is. It's a coincidence of coincidences. But I don't. I think it was a coincidence. Sometimes they just happen, you know, like not everything's a clue. Yeah, that's just reaching. But at this time, like my gut leads me to Hodel and my brain gets stuck between him and the three men. Because really, truly, something about the motel and finding those bodily fluids with the combination of Hanson's rejection and Leslie knowing all of that information. Yeah. That's heavy. Like, that has some weight to it. But having two kids and an entire book that a DA backs up saying they'd convict over. And also very heavy. Photos of the victim in, like, old family albums that yeah never saw the light of day until you've passed. Right. Eek. So... Yeah, Black Dahlia. All of of that to say that we don't know more now than we did really even years ago. No. We're not not at an answer yet. Um, I'll obviously keep you guys updated if I hear anything. Um, But as far as I know, these are like, at least the two are really heavy, well-respected theories of what Mm -hmm. it could have been. Um, Again, gut says the doctor, brain brain isn't sure. So... Uh, let us know what you guys think. Definitely drop us a comment, a DM, an email, whatever. But I'm curious to know because these were only three. And my God, there were so many. I know. So <laughs> I know. There's so many. This is only three, you guys. And we're already over an hour. So seriously. Damn. But I am so excited that you guys stuck in there with us and I'm really glad that you told us that you wanted a part two. It was really fun putting this together and getting to talk about it. Um, and hey, happy first one episode week. I know. And next week, you guys are going to get the first part of a serial killer 
little series gonna, that's going to happen. Hell yes. Not going to tell you who because you're going to have to wait Damn. for it. Yeah, you too. You have to wait for it too. Damn. You're not going to know. Um, but if you guys want to support, you guys can definitely give us a follow on Instagram. Share anything Hell that yeah. we're posting. We've got our stickers and other stuffs on Redbubble that you can always find linked there too. Mm. Um, Abby, how would they find our Instagram page if they were looking for it? So... If you have a little device with the Instagram app on it or you wanted to go on to your interwebs and type in Instagram.com, mm-hmm. you could find that little search bar button and in it type in about time for true crime pod with periods in between every word. So that would be A-B-O-U-T period T-I-M-E period F-O-R period T-R-U-E period C-R-I-M-E period P-O-D because podcast was too long. Correct. And also... Once you get there, we have all of these cute little highlights. You can follow us. You can get notified whenever we post. You can look through all our highlights that have reprieves, which are memes. We, they're, oh my gosh, they're so funny or really cute and wholesome. So either Mm -hmm. way, it's a good serotonin time. And then we also have tip lines, hotlines that victims and their families are passionate about. We have... Places that you can go to donate, places that you can go to find resources to help you or loved ones maybe facing other types of victimization. So it's a really great place to be. And also, you get faces, places, people, all the things we're talking about, mm-hmm. and pod pets. Pod pets. Like, I don't know how many times I have to tell you this is where it's at. Also Our Instagram keep is hopping. Keep sending the pod pets. Yes, we want so many. And also your cute nicknames for them. We love those. I know. We, we really do. We eat that shit up. We really do. And if you want to send us something a little bit longer, a little bit more in depth, a little bit more private if you want, you can certainly send us an email and you can do that at about time, the number four, TC at gmail.com. So that's A-B-O-U-T-T-I-M-E, numeric four, TC at gmail.com. We cannot wait to see you there. We will... See you on our next episode for yes. a serial killer. We're so excited. And don't forget, you guys, request, request, request. Let us know what you want to hear because we are still doing that this month. So Correct. let us know. Let us know over on Instagram or you can just send us an email. We've gotten a few of those. But I always put throw the polls on up on Instagram too just yeah. to see what y'all are looking for. So we're super excited. We... I don't know. I'm just I'm so excited for what this year is already bringing. And I we're know. just dipping our toe in. So... Thank you so much for hanging out with us, you guys. Hop on over to our Instagram or send us an email because if I look at my watch, that was About About Time time for True Crime. Crime. Bye. Bye. Bye.